The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. You Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All right, thanks everybody for coming out to the George Water Jr. Show. You don't know how much I do appreciate it. I'm broadcasting out of the city of Chicago. It is a sunshiny, brighty, brightened day. I like these kind of days because they make you feel positive. They make you want to do your best at, at whatever you're doing because it's, it's beautiful out. We were out earlier today and just walking the neighborhood and just, the sun was just blazing down, but it felt good. If anybody doesn't know the sun, it's great to get some sun. I'm not saying a lot of it, but some sun every day if it's out because uh, the sun is filled with uh, vitamin D and that's good for your bones. Okay. You know, we don't want to um, we don't want to get a whole lot of sun because that, you know, sunburn, all that kind of stuff is not good. But a little sun every day uh, is good for you and good for your health. Let me put it that way. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air and <laughs> I have this great big window in front of me in my studio here. And uh, I have three monitors, three monitors all around me. So I know what's, know, <laughs> know what's going on in the world. And uh, I remember when I first started the show, I used to have notes and all this kind of stuff. I had to write, I had cue cards and, and uh, paper with stuff written on it so I can talk about it. And I had questions I was going to ask everybody who came on the show. But now, you know, uh, four years into this and all I do now is just, you know, come, set it up, sit down. I produce the show. Okay, People say, well, hey, George, where's your producer? Can we talk to your producer? I am the producer. I mean, why pay somebody to produce? 
produce your show if you can do it yourself. I produce it and I direct it sometimes. You know, I have to, have to direct things in and out. But, you know, uh, the whole show is me, myself. Anyway, it's fun. It's always fun. Uh, it's free talk today. We have no guests today. But we're going to have a whole slew of guests uh, by the end of the month and into uh, the next month, following the following month. So <laughs> if you're looking for someone to talk to, you can always, you know, email me, drop me a line or whatever you want to do. Oh, you know, I just wait till I, I'll just wait till I book the guest. To, uh, yeah, I'm the booker. I book the shows. I book everything. I do it all. And I'm, I, I'm glad to do it. You know, as people say, George, isn't that a lot of work? No, it's not a lot of work if it's fun for you to do. And I always try to encourage a lot of people, if you can do things yourself, do them. Then, then rather have someone uh, do them for you and you have to pay for it. If you can do something yourself, a lot of us, uh, especially authors and writers, we do a lot of, a lot of that ourselves. Um, because when you're writing your first book or your second or third book, you don't have a lot of money. You know, in some cases, you don't have a lot of money and you don't you don't have money for editors and all that kind of crap. So you um, you do it. You do it yourself. Why pay someone else to screw up your book when you can do it yourself? Right. Uh, <laughs> all right. You are. Uh, oh, wow. I have to reach in the back for something there. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful day in the city of Chicago. Bright, sunny. It beats being uh, cloudy and foggy and just dark and raining. So you have to kind of say you're blessed with this type of weather. You're blessed. And I'm blessed with the George Wilder Jr. show. I just love doing this show. I, don't, I can't see myself doing anything else. I mean, this is what I do. The show is popular. People do listen. Um, contrary to some what some people might think it is. I, I understand what you're saying. You're saying that there's so many podcasts and radio shows like this around the country, and there are. I mean, I've researched folks, folks, and I know that there's a lot of radio shows, a lot of talk shows. And then you got a lot of uh, radio podcasts with father and son. That's great. That's beautiful. Father and son radio show, internet radio show. That's great. I admire those kind of, those family shows, those family um, um podcast and radio shows that the whole family is involved in. That's beautiful. And now all you got to do is get yourself some listeners, you know, and once you get into podcasting or radio hosting, uh, you, you really have to be in it for a while before you can actually get any uh, type of an audience. And you have to know who your audience is and you have to Totally, ha you totally have to engage people. You know, you have to at, at everything you do or trying to do or want to do, you have to engage people, whether uh, good or bad. You have to engage people. You know, you're gonna get some assholes. You're gonna get some losers. You're gonna get uh, uh, people who are just just you know mean and nasty. You're gonna get those people, but you have to kind of be above it all, as I've said. Um, it, be above it all. I mean, you realize that you're going to get the, the negative people. Realize that. And you have to set yourself up for, for getting the negative people and then washing them out of your life. Washing them <laughs> in a way, washing them out of your life or just not dealing with them at all. And then go on with your show. I mean, I've been on this show for a long time and I've had nasty people call in and say, say things. It it doesn't bother me. It didn't bother me at all I'll, because you know why? I have an off button. All I got to do is click it. Bing, you're gone. You know? <laughs> anyway, 
Uh, I was reading something on um, MSN.com, and it was saying that um, one of uh, Martin Luther King's children is pissed off at Steve Bannon because Steve Bannon, uh, I haven't read the article, I just read the the, uh, headline. Uh, Steve Bannon said that Martin Luther King would support Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. And she was pissed off. She said <laughs> she she was really pissed off at uh, uh, Steve Bannon for saying that Donald that Donald Trump would be supported by Martin Luther King, MLK. Now, I don't blame her for being angry and upset because I'm angry and upset. That's a that that's a lie. That's a thought. Total lie. Martin Luther King would not be supporting Donald Trump if he lived today. That would not happen. He would have not not supported. It's funny because it's not true. And it's stupid because he said it. These people, what I think Steve Bannon is, he used to work in the White House alongside Donald Trump. If you don't know who he is, Steve Bannon, he was fired by Donald Trump. Uh, but he still supports Donald Trump and he still kisses Donald Trump's butt. And I think the reason why Steve Bannon said that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. would support Donald Trump is because they're trying to get votes. They're trying <laughs> to get votes because then they know that they're going to be wiped out in the midterms, Twenty. 2018, November, they know they're going to be wiped out. There's going to be a blue wave coming. And these people are saying anything that they can, trying to get votes, lying left and right. Martin Luther King is probably turning over in his grave at what's happening in in America right now. And I can guarantee you, if Martin Luther King was alive, he'd be out here marching. He'd be marching on the White House. He'd be marching out in the streets. He'd be all over the media and everything. He would be one fucking hell of a good leader today we don't have that we don't have any leaders today like we did back in the day uh martin luther king malcolm x megger evers you go on and on fanny i can't think of her last name fanny something um we don't have any leaders like that today seems like everybody's afraid of donald trump you know, nobody says anything. A lot of people thought Obama was going to come out and, and uh, be another Martin Luther King. No, no, Obama is not going to come out and be another Martin Luther King because his wife doesn't want him to do that. Michelle doesn't want him to do that. Michelle always tell Obama to be above it all. Don't sink down in, into the gutter with everybody else. Be above it all. But when you're dealing with the Republicans, it's hard to be above it all. It really is. It's It's almost as if you have to get down in the gutter with these people in order to win. Because if you're above it all, the Republicans are slinging mud and you're above it all, guess who's going to win? The Republicans are. You can be above it all all you want to, but um, the Republicans are going to win, going to beat your ass. It's like you. It's like a bully in a playground or something. If a bully uh, in a playground comes and bullies you, and uh, you know, punches you, hits you, or call you names or whatever, and you don't hit them back, who's the winner in that? 
are you the winner in there for standing there and not doing anything because you felt that you were above it all, even though you've got a black eye, busted lip, knocked out teeth? The bully won. But hey, wow, you were above it all. I mean, <laughs> you know, sometimes you have to really get down in the gutter with some of these people and, you know, stuff like that. Anyway, um, yeah, she's pissed off and I don't blame her. And I'm pretty sure if, if you've read it or you've heard the news or you're hearing it now, uh, uh, you, you'd probably be pissed off too. Donald Trump and his minions, they're out there to try to uh, get as many votes as, as they can and they're going to lie and uh, con their way into doing it, just like he conned his way into the White House. This man is crazy. This man is buffoonish and he's a nut house. Anyway, um, I hope she prevails on that. You know, I hope she can get him to uh, apologize or to retract his statement, but I don't think he will because Steve Bannon, he's a racist. Give me a break. These people are racist, but they know that uh, there are more progressives and liberals than there are conservatives, and they are afraid uh, when, it, when the midterms uh, roll around, and they're coming fast. Believe me, they're coming fast, and the Republicans are trying every way they can to try to suppress the vote or to take away the vote or to stop you from voting because if you vote their ass isn't out of there but remember always remember if you do not vote you voting for a republican if you do not use uh uh your right to vote you're going to lose it and it's going to be used against you so why let your vote be used against you why not use use it and I do have a feeling, folks, I really have a feeling that there's going to be a blowout come midterms, uh, November 6, uh, 2018. I have a feeling there's going to be a blowout because so many people are just so fed up with this crap that is happening in our country with this crazy ass man in the White House. I just have that feeling, and I try to tell people to stay positive, stay up, do not feel depressed because of Donald Trump and the shit that he's doing or trying to do or want to do. Uh, stay positive, get out here, be active, do something, uh, tell other people what that they need to vote, get everybody registered to vote, to vote, to vote, to vote. Get us. <laughs> Someone said, uh, you better get everybody to vote, and you better vote before the Republicans make voting illegal. Sounds far-fetched, yeah, but with the Republicans, anything, anything can happen. So I, I'm always urging people to vote blue uh, and uh, stay positive. It is sickening. It is uh, terrible what Trump is doing to America. He has de debased the White House. Uh, there's people all, all over the country saying to Americans, America, you got it. And this is what they're saying, for real. They're saying, Americans, you have to get rid of Donald Trump. He's talking, they're talking to the American people, not to Congress, not to um, anybody in, in Congress. They are talking to us, you and me. You have to get rid of Donald Trump, and we have to do that. I mean, it has gotten so bad that there's people all on Facebook or Twitter and other social websites that are, that are wishing Donald Trump would die. 
That is so bad. You got good people, great people, church-going people saying that they wish that this man would get a bullet to the head. It has gotten so, it has gotten that bad that people hate him so that they want him to die. These are good people, law-abiding citizens, people who have never had those kind of thoughts before in their life. And some people are ashamed to even think those kinds of thoughts about Donald Trump because they never, they never really wished harm on anyone. But Donald Trump has just uh, been a slime ball. Donald Trump has just been someone who just is wrecking America. He's wrecking people's lives and he doesn't give a damn. He doesn't give a damn. Now, this latest flap that he's in, and I call everything that Donald Trump basically throws out here a distraction. But, yeah, everything that he throws out, every, all the kind of bullshit and garbage that he throws out here is nothing but a distraction. But we have to follow it. We have to go with it because what? He's the president. And what he says, we pay attention to. Even if it's bullshit, we pay attention to it. Now, the latest thing that is coming out of his ass is um, football. Football season hasn't even started, and NFL is already silencing players. Yes, the NFL is going with Donald Trump's playbook to silence uh, free speech on the football field. Yeah. Uh, this is Donald Trump's latest flap. And Donald Trump, uh, I mean, he's, he's happy. This is a victory for him. You got to, I mean, no matter what you feel about Donald Trump, you have to say this is a victory for him because he came out against them kneeling uh, against the flag. But, 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 but if you think about it, I'm sorry for stuttering, but if you think about it, Donald Trump has disrespected the flag every day of his presidency. Now he wants these people to be punished, the football players to be punished or silenced because they're kneeling, as he called, disrespecting the flag. They're not disrespecting the flag. They're trying to bring attention to uh, something that shouldn't be happening in America. That's, this is what they're doing. And I don't think it's really about kneeling or disrespecting the flag. I think it's racism. I think Donald Trump is saying, I got these niggas out here and they're going to do what I tell them to do or their asses are out. Because um, NFL is basically African-American players. And, and we all know that Donald Trump is a bona fide racist, a bona fide white supremacist in the White House. So there are, there are a lot of people who are going to be protesting. They're, they're protesting right now. But uh, as soon as the season for football to start, there's, there's going to be something because a lot of people are saying that they're going to stop watching football. Then there's some people who say, well, I can't stop watching football. I, I'm a fan. I, I can't do it. I just can't do it. But that's fine. But the rest of us are going to do it. I'm never going to watch football again as long as Donald Trump is in the White House and, and as long as the NFL owners are trying to silence the players from speaking their mind, from 
from using their First Amendment right of free speech. This is what this is. This is an infringement on free speech. This has nothing to do with the flag because Donald Trump has shitted on the flag a thousand times and there's nothing uh, uh, happening to him for it. But, you know, it's always been if Donald Trump can do it, he can do it. But if other players try to do it, they can't. This is Donald Trump's playbook. So there's a lot of people around uh, are protesting and will be protesting the NFL because the NFL, the ratings are already down. You probably heard this. The ratings for football, um, they're down anyway, but they're going to be down a lot more simply because a lot of people don't like Donald Trump and they don't like the way the, the owners are doing the players. And Donald Trump is so nasty. <laughs> Get him out of there. I mean, this guy is so nasty and so filthy. So uh, a lot of people are going to be boycotting the NFL. Not Maybe not an overwhelming lot because there, people are going to be uh, there's going to be people who agree with Donald Trump and and agree with the NFL. So, you know, they're going to be, but the ones who do not, who are adamantly about this, they will turn off the football. They will turn off. And, and I think the NFL can't afford to alienate not one fan because their ratings are down in the first place. Their ratings are down in the first place. So I don't see them. I, I, I'm pretty sure they will. And I'm pretty sure that the owners right now, as I'm on the radio, are contemplating what will the season be like once it opens. I believe in, in, in August or something, uh, August, October, the training uh, seasons. Um, as you can see, I, know no, I don't know much about sports, but I, 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 at this point, I do love it. But uh, with this controversy uh, that Donald Trump handed down and the owners implemented about silencing the players and their free speech is just wrong. It's just wrong. You talk about dictatorship. This is what this maniac wants is dictatorship. So yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to boycott the uh, football. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to be looking for Howie, Jerry and, Howie, Jerry, uh, and, and these kind of folks, the, the sport, the, the announcers, the uh, analysts. <laughs> I don't watch them. I don't watch them anyway. They're just a bunch of mouth. I, you know. But anyway, I'm pretty sure this is um, this is all over the the sports, the sports shows, the talk shows, the uh, sports. I mean, this is this is uh, it, and it's wrong. And however, Donald Trump is saying to the protesters who do not like what's going on in the NFL, he's telling people to leave the country. It, 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 the, yeah, he's telling if you don't like what's going on, if you don't like that the players, uh, if you're protesting uh, uh, players because I want them to stand and respect the flag, and if you don't like that, you can leave the country. And a lot of people are firing back. They're saying, asshole, you lead the country. You lead the White House. You know, so and, and I think by by I think by Donald Trump's telling protesters, people who don't like what's going on in the NFL uh, to leave the country. I think he just ignited it more. I really do, because so many people in the United States do not like Donald Trump. They can't stand him. They hate his guts. 
So anything that Donald Trump is a part of, people are going to try to avoid, except for those who are in his corner and maybe except for those who are diehard sports fan, fans. But that still, that still is going to hurt ownership. Uh, however, I do think, I do think that this is uh, good for the American public because we can get these people, we can get these rich owners, we can hit them in the pocketbook, we can hit the game. We don't have to go to these games and sit in those seats. We don't have to turn on our televisions. This will hurt the uh, the league. Period. It will hurt the league. And it will send a message to the NFL owners and to this asshole president, Donald Trump. And another thing, people are saying, people are saying, <laughs> people are saying to me and to other people uh, around the media to stop calling Donald Trump president. They say, stop calling him president. I try to, I try to say just Trump, but you got other outlets around cable television and broadcast TV news stations. They're saying President Donald Trump. And Americans are saying, stop calling that asshole president. And sometimes it just slips out of my mouth. You know, President Donald Trump. It doesn't sound right because we all know that he's a fake president. He's not a real president. He conned and lied and cheated and wiggled his way into the uh, into the White House. You know, uh, there was uh, two or three organizations that helped him win illegally win. You know, um, and um, that's it. That's it. I mean, the guy is just um, rotten. <laughs> So there is all kinds of news going on today, folks. Let's see what else we have. We will be right back. Let's see if we can do. Uh, we'll be right back. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the
Oh, say it ain't so. Morgan Freeman accused of inappropriate behavior and sexual harassment. Morgan Freeman. You, <laughs> wow. He's in every damn movie that comes out just about <laughs> that's in the theater. Uh, now, uh, he has been accused of inappropriate behavior and sexual harassment. Eight people said that they were victims of harassment and inappropriate behavior by the actor. Wow. Morgan Freeman. If it couldn't have happened to a better guy, huh? Uh, I think he's around 71, 72 years old. And uh, yeah, multiple multiple women have accused actor Morgan Freeman of inappropriate behavior and harassment. Wow. Allegations surfaced in a report uh, with individuals telling the network that they were victims of harassment and inappropriate behavior by Freeman. 16 people in total spoke to CNN about the actor's alleged behavior as a part as a part of the investigation. Wow, he is being investigated. Wow, Morgan Freeman. I think the best movie I the best Morgan Freeman movie that I have seen so far is um, Lean on Me. That's the best one. I mean, he's made a ton of them. After that, I mean, more than a ton. He seems like he's in every movie out there, and uh, this is this will probably bring him down. This will, just like it, like just like James Franco, Harvey Weinstein, uh, Dustin Hoffman, <laughs> a lot of these A-list movie stars, right? Uh, taken down because they can't keep their hands to themselves. I mean. I totally agree with some women if men touch them inappropriately without their consent. I think that is sexual harassment and they should probably uh, be told about it or they, you know, um, you know whatever. I think it's inappropriate. I mean, you got so many women out here, you don't have to rape them, believe me. <laughs> you don't have to put your hands on them inappropriately. You don't have to stare them down and... Uh, I mean, because if they want sex, you know, I mean, you know, it's on. But for you to try to do it without their consent or, you know, because a lot of women um, dress, um, decorate their bodies. They dress, they dress, some some women dress so provocative, it's a shame. But that doesn't mean you can go over there and touch them, okay? Put your hands on them, even if they look like they want it, Um and some women do want it, but they just, you know, they may not want it from you. So Morgan Freeman, uh, it, I mean, when I first saw this, it, it was so surprising because he looks like everybody's father, <laughs> grandfather. You know, <laughs> he looks like the type of guy that would give out great advice to somebody, you know. But behind closed doors, he's, he can't keep his zipper closed or zipped up or whatever. Uh, an unidentified woman told the network that she was harassed by Freeman in 2015 while working on a production, while working as a production assistant for the comedy Going in Style, starring fame, the famed actor. Okay, one of his upteenth movies. You know, he'd have made a, a lot of them. Uh, the woman said Freeman often touched her inappropriately and made comments about her body and clothing daily. Hmm. Freeman kept trying to lift up my skirt and asked, asking if I 
was wearing underwear. Wow. That's the first time I've read that, heard that. Okay, let me read that again. Because <laughs> it's astonishing even to me. Freeman kept trying to lift up my skirt and asking if I was wearing panties, underwear. At one point, while they were working together, at one point, the woman alleged, it's, it, right, it's always alleged until it's proven in court. Nothing has, it has to be proven. Uh, she alleged, actor Alan Arkin made a comment telling him to stop. Oh, there was witnesses. Oh, Morgan got freaked out and didn't know what to say. Okay. <laughs> oh, there's uh-oh, another actor. Another woman told CNN that while working on the 2012 movie, now now you see, now you excuse me. Now you see me. Okay. All right. Now you see me. All right. I, uh said that Freeman sexually harassed her multiple times. Uh-oh. Another Bill Cosby. <laughs> All right. Jail time for Morgan Freeman. Sexually harass her. Uh-oh. <laughs> Court time. He did comment on our bodies. He, this is what she said. I'm quoting now. He did comment on our bodies. The second accuser told CNN, we knew that if he was coming by not to wear any top that would show our breasts. Not to wear anything that would show our bottoms, meaning not wearing clothes that were fitted. Uh-oh. Okay. Morgan got something. He's got a lot to... <laughs> answer for okay other appropriate other other inappropriate i can't talk for some reason folks other inappropriate behavior included staring at women's breasts wow staring at women's breasts whoever does that i think women stare at women's breasts <laughs> oh yeah men men uh are kings for staring at women's breasts i don't think that's too much of a assault when you're staring at their breasts because a lot of times the women the women have their shirt open the their breasts falling all out of their bra if they have a bra so that i don't think that's uh uh too inappropriate to stare at somebody who is actually naked almost <laughs> but anyway uh, other inappropriate behavior included staring at other woman's breasts, massaging the intern's shoulders. Now, when you're touching someone inappropriately that they do not want you to touch them, I think that is harassment. Asking a woman how she felt about sexual harassment and asking women to twirl for him. Wow. Morgan Freeman, that's kind of freaky, man. <laughs> That's kind of freaky. But all of this is just alleged, okay? Alleged until proven in a court of law. Because, you know, women can say anything happened, men can say anything happened, but you have to get a, a court of law a court of law and a jury with a jury and um and they're trying to figure it out. But this is gonna be really, really bad for uh, um, Morgan Freeman especially if it ends up being another Bill Cosby type drama, uh, 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 sexual harassment, because Bill is going to be, Bill is 80 years old and he's going to be spending his, probably his entire, the last years of his life in prison because he couldn't keep his 
thing in his pants around a beautiful woman or beautiful women. All righty. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio, and we've been talking about Morgan Freeman. This is <laughs> this is a shock. This is surprising because I, I really got fed up watching Morgan Freeman's movies because every time, I mean, every time he, every movie that I, I buy, uh, it seems Morgan Freeman is in it, whether he's playing the leading role or a supporting role or a cameo part, he's in it. And um, I think the last thing, I think the last movie that I purchased by, which is with Morgan Freeman is, I think is London, London has fallen, I believe. Yeah, that's a pretty old one, but a few years old Uh, with, um, yeah, London has fallen. He plays president. I think this is his fifth, fifth time in a movie playing, playing president or vice president. He's always president. <laughs> Come to think of it, our president is guilty of this too, but somehow he thinks he thinks he's above it all. Uh, and that's not fair. I mean, if all of these other people are going down because of inappropriate behavior, sexual harassment, Trump should be the first to go down because he's the king of it all. I mean, this guy owned the beauty pageant where he walked in on women getting dressed and saying snarky things and wanting to and wanting to grab their pussy. Um, Trump should be the first to go down. You know, but a lot of these other people are going down before him because Trump, he has people protecting him. He has the Congress that's protecting him. But I think he's going to go down in the midterms if he makes it to the midterms. He may resign. He may have a heart attack. Who knows? But I don't think Trump... Uh, Trump can uh, survive a lot of this. I do, I really don't. I think he just with all these with all of these distractions that he's distracting us with, you know. And the only reasons why he dis- he's distracting us with so many of these distractions is because he doesn't want us to think about the investigations that are up his ass. He doesn't want us to think about Stormy Daniels who is coming after his ass and the people of this country is coming after his ass. So he's got a lot uh, to worry about. And I don't think he worries. I, I don't really, I think he uh, uh, doesn't worry. Why am I talking about Trump? We were talking about um, um, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman, the great Morgan Freeman. Wow. I mean, when people like this go down in this way, they are so embarrassed they are so 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 embarrassed and but hey wow you know i mean if if these people if these women file a suit um, and suddenly he's subpoenaed suddenly he's indicted then that's it's gonna have to be dealt with right it's gonna have to be dealt with uh, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Thanks for tuning in, folks. It is such a great day outside. It is such a great day. Five long years. Let's take a musical break.
I'm talking about Have you ever been mistreated? You know just what I'm talking about I worked five long years for one woman She had enough to put me out I'm gonna steal them. steal like a slave. Five long years, every Friday I come straight home with a home my pay. Have you ever been mistreated? You know just what I'm talking about. Keith Olbermann, and this is The Resistance. 
I am confident now, even more so than I have been throughout the last year, that this nightmare presidency of Donald John Trump will end prematurely and end soon, and I am thus also confident that this is the correct moment to end this series of commentaries. The important stuff first. There are seven routes in front of Trump. Each inevitably ends in his impeachment or resignation. The first, the likeliest, became a thousand times more likely with the Thanksgiving news of a possible deal between Robert Mueller and General Michael Flynn. As I reported here as long ago as April 4th, the most specifically qualified expert alive on the subject of prosecuting a president, my friend, the Nixon White House counsel John Dean, put it to me very simply. Mueller is not shooting down. Mueller does not make a deal with Flynn to get Paul Manafort. He does not make a deal with Flynn to get Jared Kushner. He does not make a deal with Flynn to get Trump Jr. Mueller makes a deal with Flynn to get Donald Trump. Period. The Flynn deal report suggests Mueller has completely assembled the backbone of his case and is now just hanging the meat from it. And just as importantly, if Flynn has merely considered a deal from Mueller, it almost necessarily means Flynn either doesn't believe he would get a pardon from Trump or that Mueller, as I've also reported here, has succeeded in finding a way around Trump's pardon power. And either of these near certainties spell Trump's doom. So that's the most obvious of the seven ways for Trump to go now. Mueller really will get him on Russia. It will be ugly, and it will tear this country nearly apart, but it will be necessary. The second way is, as I've also repeatedly suggested here, that Mueller doesn't really need to prove anything about Trump and Russian sabotage of the election. There seems to be so much obstruction of justice from the firing of James Comey to the lies about Trump Jr.'s meetings with the Russians, that it's hard to pick out a key player in the Trump inner circle who could not be guilty of it. Trump could be impeached on just obstruction of justice and a few lesser charges. Nixon was about to be. Or there is a third way. We could be spared the trauma of a Russia impeachment or an obstruction of justice impeachment as we were spared it with Nixon if Trump is smart or just sufficiently scared enough, and he resigns. Or if he isn't, those around him who could still sell themselves by selling him out will force him to resign. A modified version of this, of course, is the fourth possible outcome, that even if Mueller is months away from his denouement, the Republicans will impeach or remove Trump by spring purely to save their own asses. The state elections in Virginia and Oklahoma earlier this month show what could face Republican incumbents nationwide next November. Not only were Democratic victories overwhelming, but half of them were little morality plays. The 26-year-old lesbian beats the Republican in the district Trump won by nearly 40 points a year ago. The transgendered candidate in Virginia beats the guy who wrote an anti-equality bathroom bill. The boyfriend of a news reporter shot to death on camera beats the Republican pro-NRA candidate. I'll say it again. Richard Nixon was not forced out of office by Democrats, not really even by Watergate. Democrats controlled the Senate and the House every day Richard Nixon was president. They could have impeached him at any point. He resigned when the leading Republicans went into the White House and told him that not only would he be impeached and convicted, but he would take all of them down with him and they were not going to let him do that. So that's the fourth way out. Trump becomes more of an albatross to Republicans, and more importantly, more of a rallying cry to Democrats, and the Republicans remove him before the midterms, and then, boastfully, run for re-election on having removed him. 
The fifth endgame is the same thing, only faster. The Republicans around him pull off that palace coup that is perfectly legal under the 25th Amendment, and Mike Pence and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell eject Trump by simply stating he is unfit and getting their majorities to agree he's unfit. And if you don't think Pence and Ryan and McConnell would do that, you didn't see Trump's crazy tweet about the Man of the Year Award or this thing in front of the Native Americans on Monday, and you, you don't know Pence and Ryan and McConnell. The sixth means by which Trump leaves early is, of course, that if the Republicans don't impeach Trump before the midterms, the Democrats will be able to after the midterms. If Virginia and New Jersey and Oklahoma are indicators, the Democrats could take the House and might need as few as 25 vulnerable Republicans in the Senate to vote guilty to remove Trump from office. But now there is a seventh new path to destruction for Trump, and it has bubbled up from the sewer of his life recently. And even with how Teflon he has been on this particular subject, it seems hard to believe the dam won't break. His sexual conduct as not one snowball, but a decade's worth of them have come down that hill, wiping out all the sleaze bags and emboldening and empowering the victims. It seems impossible to believe that some claimant somewhere does not have tangible evidence against Trump and that they won't say to hell with it and break one of those non-disclosure agreements and Trump will suddenly be envying Harvey Weinstein. Trump himself inadvertently has hinted at this. The New York Times buried the lead on this over the weekend. But it reported that earlier this year, Trump told a senator that the Access Hollywood pussy grabber tape was a fake. And he has said the same thing, again, recently to a White House staffer. He's obviously trying to work the refs of public opinion in advance for whatever is coming next, from a woman here or from Russia. So, I don't see any way out for Trump. Seven freight trains rushing at him. He might avoid a few. He might avoid six of them. He's not going to dance his way out from under all seven. And we, I think, should try to put ourselves in the mindset of those Americans who knew Richard Nixon was guilty as hell after John Dean finished testifying on June 27, 1973. But we're all left wondering if there would ever be a way to prove it. And we're left listening to a majority of the country saying Dean was lying and left watching nearly the entirety of the gullible news media saying this was nonsense. Why would a president, even one as crazy as Nixon, ever do this? And more importantly, even if he were somehow guilty, how would he ever be dumb enough to leave any evidence of his guilt? And 16 days later, it turned out Virtually everything in the Oval Office had been taped, and the ballgame was over, even though it would last another 13 months. Well, this ballgame is also over, and I don't think it's going to last another 13 months. And so this series is over. This was intended as something temporary, a two-month project by somebody who had given up politics. And instead it became 187 commentaries and around 225,000 words and something approaching 400 million views. And I am proud of it, and I repudiate none of it, and it has been my privilege to do it, and I'm especially proud to have done these videos for free and for charity. But frankly, I have not enjoyed one minute of it. As I'm certain it has also been for you, for me, it has been unadulterated pain and revulsion and horror. The process has become nearly 24-7, and I've said so much that I can and have recycled old commentaries from months ago, and they have been fully applicable to breaking news. We've come full circle to such a complete degree that on Sunday, Trump tweeted a complaint about, quote, Russia, 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 
the title of the 46th episode of The Resistance from last March 14th was, quote, Russia, Russia, Russia. I've made my point. So now that I think the outcomes, the seven different inevitable outcomes, are unavoidable, I'd like to go back and enjoy some of my life again, and I'm going to. No illness, no scandal, no firing, just I've said what I've had to say. It was as obvious as I made it seem. I give my work everything I can, so it's not like I can dial it back. And I think even this dim-witted world of American political TV reporting, which is still calculating how to get Trump's idiot supporters to watch their networks and still waiting for Trump to pivot, even it can carry this the rest of the way. So I am retiring from political commentary in all media venues. This is not to say a bed of roses and reconciliation awaits us. The post-Trump America will be relieved of his prodigious evil, but in its place it will have Trump as living martyr. That prodigious evil and rank hypocrisy and immorality of his supporters, perhaps a third of us, will not vanish with him, and I'm not sure that the democracy has not been damaged too much to deal with their lawless, unprincipled rebellion, and I do not see this country's politics truly healing in the next 30 or 40 years. But at least the bleeding will be staunched, and we will have a chance to alter a phrase I heard somewhere to make America, America again. Thank you for all the kind words and all the support. Have fun storming the castle. My work here is done. Matter of fact, so is Trump's. Resist, remove, peace. She be all in there, she be all in there asses. All right, the George Walter Jr. show is on the air. A little bit of uh, <laughs> air, dead air there, folks. Sorry about that. Um, Keith Olverman ended before I could um, get back on the air. So we're sorry for the dead air. But anyway, let's do this. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. You are You can't. 
All I wanted was a much-deserved promotion, and he told me to get up on the desk and spread them. All the men in my office wrote down on a piece of paper the sexual favors that I could do for them. All I had asked for was an office with a window. I asked for his advice about how I could get a bill out of committee. He asked me if I brought my knee pads. Those are just a few of the horrific stories that I heard from women over the last year as I've been investigating workplace sexual harassment, and what I've found out is that it's an epidemic across the world. It's a horrifying reality for millions of women when all they want to do every day is go to work. Sexual harassment doesn't discriminate. You can wear a skirt, hospital scrubs. Army fatigues. You can be young or old, married or single, black or white. You can be a Republican, a Democrat, or an Independent. I heard from so many women, police officers, members of our military, financial assistants, actors, engineers, lawyers, bankers, accountants, teachers, journalists. I'm never going to get another cup. I'm going to die. Sexual harassment, it turns out, is not about sex. It's about power, and about what somebody does to you to try and take away your power. And I'm here today to encourage you to know that you can take that power back. <laughs> On July 6, 2016. I jumped off a cliff all by myself. It was the scariest moment of my life, an excruciating choice to make. I fell into an abyss all alone, not knowing what would be below. But then something miraculous started to happen. Thousands of women started reaching out to me to share their own stories of pain and agony and shame. They told me that I became their voice. They were voiceless, and suddenly I realized that even in the 21st century, every woman still has a story. Like Joyce, a flight attendant supervisor whose boss in meetings every day would tell her about the porn that he'd watched the night before while drawing penises on his notepad. She went to complain. She was called crazy and fired. Like Joanne, Wall Street banker, her male colleagues would call her that vile c-word every day. She complained, labeled a troublemaker, never to do another Wall Street deal again. Like Elizabeth, an army officer, her male subordinates would wave one-dollar bills in her face and say, "Dance for me." And when she went to complain to a major, he said, "What? Only one dollar? You're worth at least five or ten." After reading, replying to all, and crying over all of these emails, I realized I had so much work to do. Here are the startling facts: one in three women that we know of have been sexually harassed in the workplace. Seventy-one percent of those incidences never get reported. Why? Because when women come forward, 
They're still called liars and troublemakers and demeaned and trashed and demoted and blacklisted and fired. Reporting sexual harassment can be, in many cases, career-ending. Of all the women that reached out to me, almost none are still today working in their chosen profession, and that is outrageous. I too was silent in the beginning. It happened to me at the end of my year as Miss America, when I was meeting with a very high-ranking TV executive in New York City. I thought he was helping me throughout the day, making a lot of phone calls. We went to dinner, and in the back seat of a car, he suddenly lunged on top of me and stuck his tongue down my throat. I didn't realize that to get into the business, silly me. He also intended to get into my pants. And just a week later, when I was in Los Angeles, meeting with a high-ranking publicist, it happened again, again in a car. And he took my neck in his hand, and he shoved my head so hard into his crotch I couldn't breathe. These are the events that suck the life out of all of your self-confidence. These are the events that, until recently, I didn't even call assault. And this is why we have so much work to do. After my years, Miss America. I continued to meet a lot of well-known people, including Donald Trump. When this picture was taken in 1988, nobody could have ever predicted where we'd be today. <laughs> Me fighting to end sexual harassment in the workplace. He, President of the United States, in spite of it. And shortly thereafter, I got my first gig in television news in Richmond, Virginia. Check out that confident smile with the bright pink jacket. Not so much the hair. <laughs> I was working so hard to prove that blondes have a lot of brains. But ironically, one of the first stories I covered was the Anita Hill hearings in Washington, D.C. And shortly thereafter, I too was sexually harassed in the workplace. I was covering a story in rural Virginia. And when we got back into the car, my cameraman started saying to me, wondering how much I had enjoyed when he touched my breasts when he put the microphone on me, and it went downhill from there. I was bracing myself against the passenger door. This was before cell phones. I was petrified. I actually envisioned myself rolling outside of that door as the car was going 50 miles per hour, like I'd seen in the movies, and wondering how much it would hurt. When the story about Harvey Weinstein came to light, one of the most well-known movie moguls in all of Hollywood, the allegations were horrific. But so many women came forward, and it made me realize what I had done meant something. He had such a lame excuse. He said he was a product of the '60s and '70s, and that that was the culture then. Yeah. That was the culture then, and unfortunately, it still is. Why? Because of all the myths that are still associated with sexual harassment. Women should just take another job and find another career. 
Yeah, right. Tell that to the single mom working two jobs, trying to make ends meet, who's also being sexually harassed. Women, they bring it on themselves by the clothes that we wear and the makeup that we put on. Yeah, I guess those hoodies that Uber engineers wear in Silicon Valley are just so provocative. <laughs> Women make it up. Yeah, because it's so fun and rewarding to be demeaned and taken down. I would know. Women bring these claims because they want to be famous and rich. Our own president said that. I bet Taylor Swift. One of the most well-known and richest singers in the world didn't need more money or fame when she came forward with her groping case for one dollar, and I'm so glad she did. Breaking news: the untold story about women and sexual harassment in the workplace. Women just want a safe, welcoming, and harass-free environment. That's it. So how do we go about getting our power back? I have three solutions. Number one, we need to turn bystanders and enablers into allies. 98% of United States corporations right now have sexual harassment training policies. 70% have prevention programs. But still, overwhelmingly, bystanders and witnesses don't come forward. In 2016, the Harvard Business Review. Called it the bystander effect, and yet remember 9/11. Millions of times we've heard, if you see something, say something. Imagine how impactful that would be if we carried that through to bystanders in the workplace regarding sexual harassment. To recognize and interrupt these incidences. To confront the perpetrators to their face. To help and protect the victims. This is my shout out to men. We need you in this fight, and to women too, enablers, to allies. Number two, change the laws. How many of you out there know whether or not you have a forced arbitration clause in your employment contract? Not a lot of hands, and if you don't know, you should. And here's why. Time magazine calls it right there on the screen the teeny tiny little print in contracts that keeps sexual harassment claims unheard. Here's what it is: forced arbitration takes away your Seventh Amendment right to an open jury process. It's secret. You don't get the same witnesses or depositions. In many cases, the company picks the arbitrator for you. There are no appeals, and only 20% of the time does the employee win. But again, it's secret, so nobody ever knows what happened to you. This is why I've been working so diligently on Capitol Hill in Washington D.C. to change the laws. And here's what I tell the senators: Sexual harassment is apolitical. Before somebody harasses you, they don't ask you if you're a Republican or Democrat first. They just do it. And this is why we should all care. Number three: Be fierce. It starts when we stand tall. And we build that self-confidence, and we stand up, and we speak up, and we tell the world what happened to us. 
I know it's scary, but let's do it for our kids. Let's stop this for the next generations. I know that I did it for my children. They were paramount in my decision making about whether or not I would come forward. My beautiful children, my 12-year-old son Christian, my 14-year-old daughter Kaya, and boy, did I underestimate them. The first day of school last year happened to be the day my resolution was announced, and I was so anxious about what they would face. And my daughter came home from school, and she said, "Mommy, so many people asked me what happened to you over the summer." And then she looked at me in the eyes, and she said, "And mommy, I was so proud to say that you were my mom." And two weeks later, when she finally found the courage to stand up to two kids who'd been making her life miserable. She came home to me and she said, "Mommy, I found the courage to do it because I saw you do it." You see, giving the gift of courage is contagious. And I hope that my journey has inspired you. Because right now it's the tipping point. We are watching history happen. More and more women are coming forward and saying, "Enough is enough." Here's my one last plea to companies: Let's hire back all those women whose careers were lost because of some random jerk. Because here's what I know about women: we will no longer be underestimated, intimidated, or set back. We will not be silenced by the ways of the establishment or the relics of the past. No. We will stand up, and speak up, and have our voices heard. We will be the women we were meant to be. And above all, we will always. Be fierce. Thank you. Thank you. Johansson is speaking right now here in Washington. I want to listen in. And when the time came for STD and cancer screenings, no judgment, no questions asked. Planned Parenthood provided a safe place where I could be treated with gentle guidance. Now I may have been 15 and surprisingly self-sufficient, but I'm sure there isn't one person here who has not been helped by Planned Parenthood, directly or otherwise. When I knew I was coming to speak on behalf of women's reproductive and health issues, every single one of my girlfriends had a story about Planned Parenthood. They saved me so many times. One of my best girlfriends confided in me, saying. They saved my ass and some other parts too. When I found out I had precancerous signs, I never would have known about without my annual checkups. And her speech grew more em- emphatic and emotional as she described how the organization had helped her decide between treatment options. She was able to make some difficult decisions, deciding what was right for her, for her body, and her then partner without anyone else's interference. My sister also used Planned Parenthood services for years after moving states. She had been living her whole life in New York City, 
pursuing her, old, her dream to move to California, she had no contacts and no health insurance, but was able to regularly see a doctor at a Planned Parenthood clinic for screenings, advice, birth control, and checkups. For the more than 2.5 million patients a year that rely on Planned Parenthood services for cancer and STD screenings, birth control, safe abortion and pregnancy planning, these are uncertain and anxious times. Lawmakers in 24 states have tried to block patients from receiving care at Planned Parenthood. Congress has voted to limit access to reproductive services nine times. Boo! Yes, boo! There are very real and devastating consequences to limiting access to what should be considered basic health care. For millions of Americans, Planned Parenthood is often the only trustworthy and affordable clinic providing safe education, sex education, safe abortion, and life-saving services. President Trump, I did not vote for you. That said, I respect that you are our president-elect and I want to be able to support you. But first, I ask that you support me. Support my sister. Support my mother. Support my... All right, thanks for that. Hey there, friends and fans. This is George Wilder Jr. of the George Wilder Jr. Show. (laughs) I want you to enjoy my fictional writings located on Amazon and elsewhere. Uh, The website is www.amazon.com slash author slash gwilder or go to the Amazon website and type my name in the text bar above to either order or download a book, a story, essays, novels, novelettes, whatever you want to do. (laughs) And I want to thank you very much for that. And as always, good reading. This is George Wilder Jr. And keep listening. There's always more to come. uh, All right. Thank you, everybody. Let's just hope people are actually uh, reading uh, because, uh, you know, a lot of people don't read. A lot of people, there's people out out here who hate reading, but reading is good. Reading makes you smart. It really does. I mean, I've been reading all my life. I've slowed down a little bit uh, on my reading because I do a lot of writing more than I do reading. But if I wasn't writing I'd be doing a lot more reading because books are all around this place. I mean, I have books everywhere. I mean, under my feet. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and I love reading. And I, I, it's sad that a lot of people do not read. But, but that's because there's so many things taking us away from reading. I mean, even in some of these schools, you don't even have books anymore. Um, a lot of kids do not even have homework anymore. And... And we have the uh, incorporation of cell phones and, and video games and all of this kind of thing. And, and other social media uh, type um, things going on. And that taking away from buying a book, downloading a book, or reading a, even reading a magazine. You don't see that anymore. You see people with their cell phones. I mean, they, they grip those cell phones as if that cell phone is their life, half of themselves. I mean, some people's cell phones are their lives. That's, uh, 
And sometimes, in some cases, the cell phone is their life. That's all they have is that cell phone. And majority of the time when people are looking down at their cell phones, they're on Facebook or on Twitter. I mean, in, in some cases, both, because Facebook and Twitter are basically intertwined. I mean, it, what I mean is, is if you post something on Facebook, it's going to end up on Twitter. If you post something on Twitter, it's going to end up on Facebook. So you only have to post one time to be on two social media sites. And that's what's taking down the American uh, public from reading, taking, taking them down and taking them out. People just don't read. Every once in a while, you'll see someone pull up a book. And when you see that, you say, wow, that person must be weird because nobody else reads. You know, and I understand Kindle, Kindle reading apps. A lot of people have these Kindle reading apps on their phones and on their tablets. I've seen people read from their tablets and their phones. Uh, but that's the minority. Most people on Facebook, uh, they're playing games or something on, on their phones or they're, you know, posting or tweeting or whatever. They're not reading, and at least at least not a novel or a magazine or anything. They may read a few commercials that pop up in between their posts, their posts uh, on Facebook, but uh, people virtually don't read, and I, and that's sad. And that's why a lot of a lot of uh, published books aren't being sold. Um, a lot of published books aren't being sold on Amazon, you know, and because uh, people don't read. That's why when as a writer, uh, I've seen when talking about posting and, and talking about Amazon, excuse me, um, a lot of people, uh, uh, there's millions of books posted, uh, posted, and more importantly, there's millions of books published every six months, every six months. So that makes it harder for a lot of us, us um, writers and publishers writers and authors uh, to get our information out there about our book. But in some cases, for me, it's pretty easy because I, I engage people. There's no doubt about it. I engage people. And I think that's what most authors have to do if they want to get their material noticed. You have to engage people. You just can't put up a book and say, my book is on Amazon. This is the title. This is, what it, this is where you can go and expect people to buy it. That's not going to work, you know, because there's zillions of books being published every year, every five years, zillions of books. And a, a lot of these books are free. You know, so you if you want someone to buy your book, publish your buy your book, pay for your book, give you money for your book, you have to really, really engage them in some way. In some way or, or maybe several ways. Because nobody's going to spend 99 cents up to $10 for your book when they can go to six or seven other outlets and get something similar free. You really have to make people care about your book. You have to make people care about you. This is a different kind of world. And you have to adhere to it or you or your book will die of a uh, uh, on Amazon or wherever you might have it. You 
you have to engage people. And when I say engage people, that, that you can engage people many ways and you have to figure out how you want to engage people. It simply means bringing people in, bringing people into your way of thinking, bringing people into trying to get people to care about what you do. I mean, when you first publish a book, nobody's going to care about that book. So you wrote a book, big deal. Your job is to tell people about the book. Your job is to tell people why they should buy that book. Your job is to say, hey, my book is better than that other book. Your job is to say, I think you, you are some of the greatest people in the world, and I have a book. You have to engage people in some way. Even if you, even by the title of the book, you can engage people by putting a really, really uh, great title to your book, a title that actually brings people in to your book. Of course, you're going to have to have content inside of the book that's going to have to hook the person. You can help, you can engage them that way. But you have to engage people in what you're doing because so many other people are doing what you're doing. And that's your competition. You've got to figure out how to outdo those people not bring people over to your side so they can look at what you do and you can explain it to them and engage them somehow. Engage them with a nice book cover. Engage them with a nice, nice title and talk about your book. Show people what you're doing. Nobody's going to know anything about your book unless you tell them about it, you know, unless you tell them. And you don't have to spend a lot of money on advertising. You... You just do that, and uh, I guarantee you. Uh, and you, and you bring them to a show like this and say, "Hey, wow, well, let's go to the George Wilder Jr. show so we can push your book." And I'll do everything I can to help you push your book, at least for that time. And then you're on your own; you got to push it yourself. But anyway, I'll give you the tools to start with uh, on trying to push your book because I'm all about authors being successful. We write to be successful. We write to engage people to help people, to motivate people, to entertain people. Uh, and we're all in the same uh, basket. We're all uh, people of the word, <laughs> if I could say that. So I'm all about helping writers, helping authors push their work and trying to uh, at least uh, uh, get them to uh, make a few bucks from what they're doing. Because most people who write, they love doing it. They love doing it. But you will not see or garner a scent from your writing if you do not engage people in some way. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're just about off the air here, folks. Here we go.
Hey there, friends and fans. This is George Wilder Jr. of the George Wilder Jr. Show. <laughs> I want you to enjoy my fictional writings located on Amazon and elsewhere. Uh, the website is www.amazon.com slash author slash gwilder. Uh, or go yeah. to the Amazon website and type <laughs> my like name in the text right? bar above to either order or download a book, a story, essays, novels, novelettes, like whatever you want to do. And I want to thank you very much for that. And as always, good reading. This is George Wilder Jr. And keep listening. And there's keep listening. always more to come. All right, there's thank you, always more to come. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. Uh, visit my uh, uh, Amazon page on Amazon, folks, and because there's a lot of uh, writings, fictional writings. I have nonfiction writings. It's great stuff. And of course, I use my radio show to promote my writings, my public writings. There's nothing wrong with that. Especially when I'm footing the bill, right? All right, uh, make sure you uh, check out Amazon, George Wilder Jr., and uh, go through some of that stuff. Download it, read it, have a good time. Take, you know, I mean, take your mind off what's going on in the world today. That's what it's all about. You know, I mean, we're up to here with Donald Trump. So grab something. Go to my website on Amazon. My go to my Amazon page and grab something to read and just enjoy yourself. All right. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. I'm going off the air. I want to say to people out there, enjoy your evening, enjoy your day, enjoy your evening, enjoy your morning, enjoy the weekend, whichever one comes first or consecutively. Just enjoy yourself. Get out here and exercise. Get yourself some uh, some of that uh, sunshine. As I was saying at the beginning of the shows, there's Vitamin D in the sun, just get a little of that sun. You don't need too much of it, okay? Get out here and exercise and feel good. And uh, think good thoughts, stay positive, and vote blue. 